Hey, this is Jerry Aiken, pastor at Pierce Chapel in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, wherever you may be. I hope that you find the word presented here engaging, informative, and challenging in your walk with Christ. Please check us out online at piercechapel.com. The scripture I'll be reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, and this is from chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. While he was in Bethany, he meaning Jesus, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We've been going through this uh, series on the heart principles, and last week it was, uh, it was interrupted uh, with a very worthy interruption. Uh, it was GIC weekend, and uh, if you were here for that, you, you know what a wonderful weekend that was, a celebration of uh, what God is doing in the world and the way that, that Pierce Chapel has been partnering with, with people to, to, to do that work in this world. It was a, a wonderful, wonderful weekend, and really the best thing about it. If, if you heard uh, Dr. Gil Odendahl's message, as is, is he said, uh, keep the main thing the main thing. So it was kind of a time of refocusing. What's important to us? Uh, why do we do what we do? Really, what's the why behind the what? We know what we do, but why do we do it? Let's get to the root of our motives. Let's get to the root of our intentions here. And so that was a very, very good uh, weekend for us. And, and it, it leads right into the lesson for today uh, as we continue our Heart Principles series. But before we do, uh, let's go ahead and put the Heart Principles up on the screen. These are principles that, as Pierce Chapel, we try to live by anytime we have a committee meeting or a small group study, anything like that. We, uh, we open with these. So if you would please say them with me. Hear and understand me, even if you disagree. Please don't make me wrong. Acknowledge that I'm a beloved child of God. Remember to look for my loving intentions. Tell me the truth with compassion. 
And as a legal disclaimer, I will add once more that these come from the book Managing from the Heart, which was written by the Atlanta Consulting Group. This book was actually written to help corporations, to help managers in, particularly, uh, in particular, lead in a way that is effective and also boosts morale. But the church took these heart principles and said, how can we use the, them? How can we live into them, hold them up to the gospel, and, uh, and follow Jesus with the way that we live them out. So that's what we've been looking at uh, these last several weeks. And today we are on the R principle. Remember to look for my loving intentions. Now, you may disagree with this, but I feel like this is probably the most important one. Out of all of the principles, to me, this one, remember to look for my loving intentions, is at the heart of the heart principles because uh, we can we can uh, disagree and we can say even if you disagree please don't make me wrong that was one of the things that we said a few weeks ago but remember to look for my loving intentions goes beyond that it says even in our disagreement I'm going to look for ways to uh, to see what the intent of your heart is and, and trust that it's good, that, that even though we might disagree, even though there may be some type of division here among us, I can still recognize that you, you have good intentions behind this, that you are trying to honor God in some way uh, with, with this uh, conclusion that you've reached or with this decision that you've made. And this is especially important for us as a church because we have tough decisions all the time. Obviously, we, we have a, a tough decision coming up on, on Monday evening, but, but every day as, as believers in Christ, we have tough decisions in our homes. We have tough decisions in our workplace and in our schools and wherever we may go, there are always tough decisions to be made. And so we want to make those decisions from a place that honor God, but we also want to be mindful that those who make other decisions, they might also be trying to honor God with their decisions as well, and that's what brings us to this gospel story. The story in in, uh, in Mark uh, is actually mentioned in all four gospels, which is I think kind of neat because Jesus says wherever the gospel is proclaimed, this this woman will be mentioned, and it's in all four gospels. And uh, and and some of some of the tellings are a little bit different. One says that uh, this one says that she anointed Jesus's head. Others mentioned that she anointed his feet. And and scholars have said that maybe it was two different events, and maybe they were, or maybe it's just two different renderings of the same event. But this is a very important event when it comes to the gospel, because the woman who anointed Jesus was simply pouring out her love, her devotion, and her worship. She was moved to a place of action where she just wanted to pour out everything she had for Jesus, including the most priceless thing she had, the, the, the expensive perfume. It was, it was the most valuable thing she had. She said, even this, I want to just pour out on Jesus. It was from a place of pure adoration and worship. And even as she did that, even as she was motivated by the purest love that she could have possibly mustered up, she had people getting angry with her, questioning her motives, 
telling her why this was the wrong thing to do. We could have used, we could have sold that and used the money to help the poor. There's a, a famous painting of this uh, from the, the 19th century French painter James Tissot. It's called uh, The Ointment of the Magdalene. And it's kind of difficult to see there, but you, you can see the woman at Jesus' feet, and she's just broken. She's just there at her feet, just, just worshiping, just broken. And then you look at those men all looking at her like, what in the world? Some of them are just in disbelief and dismay. If they were wearing pearls, they'd be clutching them. <laughs> and then some of them are looking at each other like, can you believe this? Are you seeing what's going on? Now, they, they may have had good intentions too because they were talking about what they could do for the poor. But they said she's not doing what we think is best. And so they spoke harshly to her and harshly about her. There will always be opportunities for us to divide amongst ourselves just like that. We will have opinions on the way things should go. And we somebody, see somebody else with a different opinion. And we want to villainize them. We want to make them an enemy somehow. They didn't arrive at the same conclusion we did. And so we're angry about it. And we need to point out the flaws in their logic. And we need to point out how they should have done this or seen it my way. And that's what the men were doing as this woman was just simply worshiping Jesus. We have a very important decision coming up for our church. And there's always the possibility for division. But this isn't just new. This isn't something for just right now. I mean, the church uh, historically has always been on the, the brink of division. I've seen churches break apart over the color that, that was decided they should paint the parsonage walls. There's always the opportunity for division, but that doesn't mean we need to take it. Now, there will be disagreements, but how do we live with those disagreements, with those different understandings? This occurs especially every two to four years in our election cycle. We see people get angry about what this candidate said or what this candidate did, and we take out our anger on each other. And we don't take the time to see that maybe that person has prayed through this. Maybe that person is seeking to honor God with their decision, and they're at the other end of the decision. I like to, uh, especially that time of year, I like to bring up John Wesley's three simple rules. Now, Bruce Getz yesterday taught at the, uh, the men's breakfast, and he talked about John Wesley's three simple rules, which are uh, do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And he spoke especially about that third one, stay in love with God. What does it mean to stay in love with God? How do we make every decision, everything that we do, how is it done in love for God? How is it directed towards God and how is it directed by God? Now, what a lot of people don't know is John Wesley also had another three set of rules. And these rules were not three simple rules. These were much more difficult. Uh, these were John Wesley's rules on voting. <laughs> this is a real thing. And, uh, and it's very handy. Um, Vote for the person you judge most worthy. Okay, we, we could replace some words there if we need to. Not necessarily vote. We could say choose. We could say, instead of person, cause. 
decision. Choose the decision you think is most worthy. In other words, the thing that you have carefully prayed about, I hope you've carefully prayed about it. If you've judged it most worthy, that means you've been in conversation with God about it and your choice is directed by what you feel like the Spirit is leading you to say or do. And then the second rule is speak no evil against the person you voted against. And that's where it gets tough, right? The third one, take care that your spirits are not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. And this is where we really have to look inwardly. Take care that your spirits are not sharpened against the other. In other words, check yourself. Look at your own heart. Because if you are getting angry at the other side, it's more an indication of something that's going on in here. If you are in in communication with God, if you are in, in in your conscience, if it is well with your soul, what you feel like God has directed you, you're not going to be consumed with what everybody else is doing. But if the condition of your heart is hardened, then it may be. You see, we have an opportunity to respond to the major decisions in our lives with love, with genuine care. And the way we respond to that, the way we respond to each other, is going to say everything that needs to be said about the church. More important than the way a decision is played out or a vote is played out or anything like that is how do we continue to be together and love each other no matter what. Unfortunately, and this was said at our last men's Bible study, one of the men said, we we don't get to choose our own headlines. And that's the truth. We are on the inside of the church doing things, trying to be the church the best way we know how, and oftentimes we're fumbling our way through it. But the world is looking at us, and they will see how we act or react, how we love or don't love, and they will make the headlines for us. And the headlines are not always pretty. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, In 2004, at General Conference, there was this very important motion that was made to change something in the Book of Discipline, the, the controversy that keeps coming back every four years. And as that motion was made and voted on, uh, the group that didn't get the result they wanted acted out in a very public, a very ugly way. After the vote was taken, the time for Holy Communion came for the people to gather around the table to worship together to say even though this is the decision that has been made we are still together we are still the church and we are going to break bread together and be in communion with each other and some of the people who were still upset over the vote took the chalices from the communion and threw them on the ground and shattered them and this is a picture this is from 2004 of delegates at the general conference, picking up pieces of the broken chalices. This is heartbreaking. And this is what was on the news. These were the headlines about general conference. And that continued, that strife continued, those arguments continued. And then in 2016, uh, again, a vote didn't go the way uh, a certain group had, had planned. 
And so when they gathered together for closing worship, a group of protesters found themselves laid out on the floor, disrupted the service, and they never concluded the worship service. Now the problem with this is, and, 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 and don't mishear me, I know people have convictions and people feel passionately about it and there is a time for demonstration. But the problem is, after a decision has been made, after God has, has directed the congregation in some way, the time for healing has to begin. The time for, for worship, the time for coming together has to begin. And we can't do that if we're pitching a fit. We can't do that if we are so angry that we didn't get our way that we are, and we are failing to look at the good intentions of the other people. This is not the division that we need to be demonstrating to the world. These are the headlines that the world sees or that they make about us because we fail to respond in love, even in the difficult situations. Now, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, they called conferencing holy conferencing. This is, this is why we have annual conference and general conference and all that, because we believe in holy conferencing. It's when the people come together and they pray together for God's direction. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to agree. They're not. We're, we're different. We come at things from all different angles. But the idea behind holy conferencing was as God's people come together and pray together, eventually God's, God's will is going to will, win out for them. And, and even if you're upset about the outcome, we will still come together and come back to the table together because that's where we belong. That we continue to break the bread, the body of Christ, and share the blood of Christ with each other because we're all invited. And that's where we belong. And that time of healing begins, that time of saying, you know what, we don't agree on this. But we love each other anyway, and we are here for each other anyway. And that's our witness to the world. But when getting our way, when the outcome of a decision or a vote or an argument or anything like that becomes more important to us than demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ to each other, then it's time that we have to take inventory of our own hearts. And that's what Jesus invites us to do here. That's, that's probably my favorite part. It's the overlooked part of this passage. But it's my favorite part. It's right there at the beginning. He says, leave her alone, and he defends her. But when he says, leave her alone, he, he, he asks them, he said, what, what's it to you? He's like, why are you bothering her? In other words, let me ask you what, what this is so important about this to you. Why, why are you so concerned with what she's doing? Jesus was good at this. He did this to the disciples. When he said that uh, one of them was going to suffer a certain fate, and then he turns and he looks at another one, and he goes, what about him? And Jesus said, what's it to you? That's between me and him. And Jesus says that to the men gathered around here. This woman was worshiping. She was pouring out her heart before God. She was led in a, in a moment of the Spirit moving on her. She was led to pour herself out in worship and in praise. She came with pure intentions. And Jesus said, those of, the, those of you who are questioning her intentions, you need to look at your own intentions at this point. It's hard for us to see loving intentions in each other if we have none of our own.
And I'm going to say that again in case you want to write that down. It's hard for us to see loving intentions in each other if we have none of our own. If we want to truly see the loving intentions of each other, then we have to make sure that our intentions are loving, that we are coming from a place of worship, that we are trying to honor God with our decision. And if we are, great. If we are truly honoring God with our decision, it makes it a whole lot easier to accept whatever happens because we are just simply being obedient and faithful to what he has called us to do. But when we get angry, we get frustrated, we don't get our way, and we turn on each other, we've missed the point. As that passage I read at the beginning of this service says, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil. Disagreements are going to happen. Decisions are going to be made that some people like and some people don't. And that's true every day of our lives. But we actually have a wonderful opportunity in front of us. Anytime that we are given the chance to examine what it is we believe and how we want to live that out, anytime we are given the choice to honor God with our decisions, it's a good opportunity. And just as importantly, it's a good opportunity for us to honor God with the way we treat each other in the process. So before we examine someone else's heart, and claim to know their motives. Let's be sure to examine our own hearts and our own motives. How am I honoring God with my decisions? How am I showing my love for God through my decisions? How am I honoring God even in the midst of disagreements? Remember, to look for your own loving intentions because then it will be so much easier to start to see the loving intentions of your neighbor. Please pray with me. Lord, we want to please you with everything that we do, with every decision we make, whether they are big decisions or whether they are small decisions. The difficult ones that sometimes even pit us up against friend and family, those are, those are the really challenging ones. But Lord, we ask that you would help us to keep the main thing the main thing. Help us to stay in love with you above all else. Because if we are like the woman who just poured out the perfume at your feet and on your head, Lord, we realize that everything we do can be a form of worship, an act of worship. Every decision we make, every choice we make can be a way of worshiping you and the way we respond to each other is also a way of worshiping you. Lord, you told us that the entire law and prophets 
hinge on those two commandments, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Lord, do not let us miss the mark on that. Help us to remember that we are your children called together and that you call us all to the table to be together, to love each other, to grow with each other as we grow in the path that you have laid out before us. So make us faithful to step into whatever that path is as you impress it upon our hearts. But Lord, also make us faithful to love each other unconditionally in the process. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out online at piercechapel.com. And now may you know the peace and the power and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Go to love. Go to serve. Go in peace. Amen.